Welcome to the International Teacher Podcast with your host, Matt the Family Guy, Kent the Cat Guy, and me, Greg the Single Guy. We are recording episodes from around the globe to tell you about the best kept secret in education. That's right, it's teaching overseas. We're glad to have you join us. All right, welcome to our episode on the International Teacher Podcast. This is Greg, and I don't have Kent or Matt with me tonight. That's okay. We have a great guest on. I'm going to have a great conversation, and we're going to listen to his story, how he got into international teaching. And I think you're going to want to stay with us on this episode. He's got a lot of great advice. He's been in the field for quite a while. I'd like to introduce you to Scott Schaffner, and he's coming from Poland to us tonight. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Greg, and uh, I really appreciate the offer to chat. Did I say your name right, Schaffner? Schaffner, yeah, Schaffner, that's pretty good. A lot of times I get a, a Schaffner, or people will just go with Schaefer, because it's much more uh, common, I suppose, right? What do the Polish people say? Do they say Schaffner? They say Schaffner. Schaffner, ooh, yeah. I got to work on that a little bit. <laughs> I never knew what my name meant until I was actually on a trip when I was teaching uh, history in Poland. We did a great exchange with a with a public school in Germany. So you can imagine Polish kids and German kids getting together and talking about history, right? And I was on the train and all of a sudden they started saying, Schaffner, Schaffner is here. And my students thought I was like some type of celebrity. But meanwhile, uh, it just means the train conductor. So it was a little bit of a disappointment. Well, you can be a celebrity now that you're on International Teacher Podcast, right? Needless to say. Needless to say, exactly. So tell us a little bit about your journey into international teaching. Yeah, thanks. I feel like I hear this a lot from people who had other careers. I actually, my mom was a teacher for her whole career, and I, and I swore I would never get into teaching growing up. It was uh, a rough job. She was a public school teacher in New York City. You know, I remember um, her walking a picket line and, and the way people thought of teachers was less than professional, you know. So I got into law school and I studied history and undergraduate, became an attorney for a little while in, in Florida and in New York. And um, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it and kind of just felt this kind of realized I kept thinking about what if I got into teaching I was young at the time and was able to not didn't have a family so I said what the heck let me let me I keep thinking about this let me give it a try so I found kind of not by complete accident I found a school um, that before the charter schools really took off so it was it's called a magnet school but the high school of economics and finance in lower Manhattan and I was attracted to that school because of the location, but also the idea of it. Its mission was to try and promote and get more minorities on Wall Street. I mean, I think you know Wall Street CEOs are probably still overwhelmingly white male. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I haven't looked in a while. But I, I think it's a pretty a safe bet, probably. School is 98% minorities. Um, and what was cool is that on Wednesday, school ended at noon and the kids dressed professionally and they were put in internships. So they worked in all the, the biggest companies and, and banks and stock companies and everything around uh, the world you've heard of. And and uh, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty cool. It was neat. And as soon as I got into it, I loved it. You know, I, I knew teaching was for me and kind of kind of never looked back. So um, that was how I got into teaching. And then if you if you look at a map, if you Google the High School of Economics and Finance, you'll see it's it's about a, a hundred meters from the World Trade Center. So it was right in the downtown area there. It's actually the old NYU School of Business many many years ago. Um, so it was it was right there. The kids, some of some of the students would you know there was a mall there. They would hang out there, cut class sometimes. So the World Trade Center was was almost like an extension of the campus. It was a big part of who we were. And, and obviously the neighborhood down there, it, it had its own zip code. It was so massive, right? So we were there on September 11th. So it was life-changing in, in a lot of ways. You know, obviously very, very fortunate. Um, everybody was, was okay. We had some kids who were a little bit injured. But when we had to evacuate and we got to um, the southern tip of Manhattan, 
and kind of a story that hasn't been told too much. There's a there's a there's a movie on uh, Netflix. Uh, well, certainly YouTube. I don't know if it's on. I don't think it was on Netflix. Tom Hanks narrated it, and it's it's about how all these tugboats came to the southern tip of Manhattan on that day just to help people. And so we had all of our faculty and almost all of our students, a couple hundred kids, wind up just getting on tugboats and being taken taken all over the the areas. Some kids slept in a church in New Jersey. School in Staten Island, Curtis High School took kids in. I wound up on a boat with some students and colleagues up the East River. Um, yeah, it was crazy, right? And then school was closed. Pandemonium, right? Pandemonium. You know, you can't, nothing you could ever train for, uh, prepare for. You know, working in Lower Manhattan is never boring, but that was, that was, you know, it was surreal, like all those cliches maybe you hear, but thinking you were in a movie, is this really happening? But the, so the school was closed for uh, a while, six six months practically, and we had to go to school uh, from noon to six for that time, right by the as it luck would have it, or if luck's the right word, right near the Empire State Building, which was if you remember those days after nine eleven, there was the anthrax, there was all of this real fear, right? And so being near the the uh, Empire State Building was. Didn't, didn't necessarily put people at ease, but we got through it. But when, and when we got back to school, um, you know, ground zero, as it was now known or then known, um, it was it was becoming a tourist attraction slowly, which was very odd and, and weird. Uh, we had some kids who never came back. They were, you know, PTSD. And we would, you know, be eating lunch and watching the fire department or the FBI raking for human remains. It was hard. It was hard to... To be there and to constantly be reminded of that situation. And so that had a lot to do with me thinking what's next. Life is short. You know, I lost uh, some people I knew and grew up with, like everybody practically in New York did. It was it was rough. And I had heard about this international school teaching thing. My mom is Irish, so I have an Irish passport, and I had studied over there in undergraduate for a little while and traveled and, and, and loved it, you know, the experiences you get. I know that's something that you guys talk about on your podcasts. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, so, so it kind of dawned on me that, hey, there's this world out there, and there was a teacher uh, from Austria who was actually working in, in the school and had, had said, what have you ever heard of ISS? And uh, I said, no. And uh, well, there was a job fair in in Midtown Manhattan. So I said, well, you know, I could live overseas and travel and I could teach. That sounds pretty good, you know, but who knows? It's it's uh, what, what that sounds maybe too good to be true. So between classes, I jumped on a, on the subway and went up to the uh, to the job fair in a, in a big hotel. And I think in Grand Central. Yeah, you know, I've uh, job fairs ever since I, I love because there's a certain energy and excitement that you just can't recreate anywhere else when you're in the elevator and people are looking at your name tag and you know anything about this school in Guatemala, you know, and, you know, decisions that are made that are that are life changing. So it, it was cool. And I got offered a job teaching history in Poland. Uh, which is where my home is uh, still. <laughs> I've moved around. So wait a second. What what year yeah. was this? This is so, right after 9-11. So this is what? Did you, when did you go to the job fair? Like in 2002? or is 2003. It, 2003. So you stuck yeah. around for a while and then it sort of faded and you turned that page and you decided to go to the job fair. And this is an ISS in New York. And you went to that big hotel and did you just, this is my favorite topic, of course, but did you uh, research ISS or anything? Did you research before you went to the job fair? You know, I remember my my computer was pretty big at the time. You know, like it was like the internet was still. I mean, right, right. It was like, of course, desktop, it, yeah. But it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> part of life, right? It wasn't. It's still at that point. Wasn't like. You had a you. It was AOL days almost, right? right. Like you, you had an email address, but not. It, it, it was different times. Um, so did I research it? Not really. You know, I I knew I knew that teacher who was 
who, you know, she was smart. She was trustworthy. She said, check it out. Um, and yeah, I just, I, like I said, what the heck, let me just see what this is about, you know, take it. So you interviewed with Poland and you got it, but who else did you, do you remember who else you interviewed with? I interviewed, uh, well, there was a school in Brazil, um, that I, you know, was close with, like, in other words, you have the first interview or you go up to the desk and then you get an interview. And I had a second interview. Uh, there was one in Costa Rica. There was one in Rome. Uh, and I believe there was one in, mm, I want to say, yeah, I can't remember that one. I can't yeah, it's, tough. it's a long time ago, right? I was at the <laughs> yeah, Iowa yeah. fair. My first was on Iowa, you and I, at yep. U university of Northern Iowa. And I had a very similar experience to you. Um, a little bit more, a few more questions. Were you single at the time or were you married at the time? Single at the time, which, you know, helps, right? I mean, it makes right. it. it and 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 like I've heard this story from other people too. I don't know, maybe you have, but I could I could take a leave of absence from my job with the New York City Department of Education for two years. So you know what's what the heck, right? I, I go overseas. I it was 2000. I was gonna start in the school year 2004. So Poland had just joined the European Union. So wow. for a his, for a history teacher, right, to to Poland with all of its rich history, and then to, to see a country join the EU and what that would look like with the job security of coming back. Why not? Right. 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 No kidding. What a, what a great story. I mean, you went from the devastation of the experience, uh, historical experience of being at ground zero. I mean, that that's the whole story on its own. And then to get into international teaching and to risk giving up your job, you probably had, I don't know how two years off that you were allowed to leave New York or, six months or a year what was it it was a two-year leave of absence and so two and year, okay in a lot of states by state they do it right sure, and course, uh right? yeah and you said let's i'm just gonna pull up my stakes and i'm gonna go to the next chapter and see what happens in poland very similar to my life i started in 2001 you started yours right around 2003 and i was going to my second school in 2004 okay. so that's another that's another story there but uh <laughs> that's the, another the podcast first, yeah, exactly. Well, the, the job fair, I mean, you know, I and I published my book about job fair because it is all about the pandemonium. It's a crazy, crazy roller coaster of, of the emotions. And you're looking at a map of the world going, oh, my God, uh, well, that's somewhere over there. And that's part of this world over here. And you're not quite sure. And you're, you're just sort of throwing yourself in there. And all of a sudden, you're interviewing for jobs that are contracts, and they want to offer you positions did did Poland offer you the position at the job fair by the way they did they did but you know what I you know what was great which I never forgot is that um they they all they gave me the contract and said you know think about it right and they do like all schools they had like the the tourist tourist brochures for right. Poland and of course I had all the stereotypes right of like the the Warsaw Pact uh, the tumbleweed going by in the middle of winter when, you know, a, a, uh, a wasteland of the tundra of the Arctic, that all that kind of stuff. But yeah, they said, they said, think about it, you know, talk to your, talk to your family, my parents, my, my brother, and what do you think? And they didn't put that pressure on. And there was a couple other schools that said, Hey, you know, if you're interested, we need to know within 24 hours, which yeah. Now that I'm on the other side, I get that too, right? You wanna you wanna wrap it up and you wanna have your hiring done, but uh, that that stuck with me. And uh, yeah, I think the next day, I said, "What the heck? I'm gonna go for it." And it, it didn't hurt. I um, met some people, and you try and talk to whoever you can in the lobby or in the elevator, and they said, "Oh no, that's a good school. The American School of Warsaw is a good school. It's been there a long time. It's got a good reputation, good leadership." Um, and so that that was kind of the the push, you know. I think at the time then I was uh, introduced or I had started hearing the name of uh, Chip Barter and and we don't have to talk about him, but oh, I was going to, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. He's a director. He was a director, a very tall, very, very, uh, you know, tall man and very big presence anywhere and a great personality. And I had a chance years later to interview with him, but it just didn't work out at the time. And I always knew about, about Warsaw because of him. Something magic happened because this is where you still are. You're a great 
interview uh, experience for me because I've never talked to anybody that has gone overseas and they're still in the same place that they started with when they went over. Did you go anywhere else in between? And I'm, I mean, your story is yeah, yeah. massive here. Can you tell well, us a little is. bit about it? Did you stay in, in Poland or what's going on well, next? You get there and... Yeah, I just and before before I, I I'll, I'll tell you that sure. Greg. Yeah, it's funny because we were saying we must have people in common, right? Chip oh, yeah. Chip Barter, a, a legend, right? He's right. there's few people who have been around uh, this game that don't know that name or the or the man, and he's been a a, a mentor and a and a great uh, friend to my family and and just a super guy. And he's retired, but you know, of course, he can't help himself. He's still working a little bit, but. Uh, no, yeah, the, like how how things can change your life, right? You, you know, who knows? So I came here to answer your question, and I taught here for eight years and was taking on some some leadership things. And and uh, I met my wife, who's Polish, and we got married and we had a, kid, a son at the time. And um, it was after eight years, and I said, I, I think I want to try being a, uh, you know, get into leadership, try being a principal. Right or assistant principal or who knows, right? I had been a dean in, in New York and done some leadership stuff. And um, I don't know, just felt like I could make a bigger, bigger impact, right? On, on, on students and the student experience. I got my credentials through the College of New Jersey. And that's a, that's a place that a lot of people will, um, you know, uh, use. And a lot of people in this world have international school teaching, have attended that. There's a, they have a, a summer program in Mallorca, Spain, which was great. Uh, and um, a lot of great, great professors. So I put my name out there and on search associates and said, let's see what happens. And, um, you know, had a, had a a son, and th and then my daughter was born. So she was she was only a few months old when I was interviewing, and and my wife said something really smart. You know, it's like I'm open to going pretty much anywhere, but it's got to be a place where I can, you know, take take a baby out in a stroller and and walk around outside right, and safety. Be right. Yeah. And then there was a couple interviews where when I put that to them, they said. I can't say for certain that this would be the place where I can say that that would be safe. Right. So uh, uh, deal breaker right there. And you're like, yeah. no, you have to, and your, your, uh, your job interview style had to change based on your family needs from based on your situation. So the first time you went back in 2003, you were, you were single and now all of a sudden you have an infant and a toddler and an infant, and then your wife and, Wow, what a change in uh, strategy it had to be, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, that's a, it's a good point. I, you know, as I, I'm not so great at marketing myself, right? It's not something that really most educators are, and uh, it's a good point because it's a very, it's completely different strategies, uh, interviewing styles, everything. So, yeah, yeah, that was part of it. And my wife had um, had a friend who's who's. Uh, father was into was a um, into shipping, I think, and wound up. He had she had spent some time in Dubai, and there was a school in Dubai that was interested and in that that I was interviewing with. And I didn't know anything really about Dubai. I knew that it was in the Gulf, and I knew that um, they had it was a new country, and they you know oil money, right? Like, but that's yeah. that's the, about the extent of it. But because my wife's friend and she said, no, it's a great place to it's safe and it's a, it's a could be a good experience. And then, of course, talk to some more people and, and who had been around and who had knew the school and et cetera, et cetera. And really incredibly fortunate. Uh, I can't tell you how, you know, the series of fortunate events I've had, but got hired as a principal. So I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been an assistant principal. I had, like I said, I had been a dean in New York and I, I did do a lot of leadership things you know yeah got got hired as a principal so so that was uh five years in dubai well you know what let's uh, let's sit on this for a second here i think a good point to make is what i really notice in what your your two experiences even your two experiences overseas so far in your story we're going to continue but so far it's that word of mouth it means a lot to you to have somebody that you've talked to that's on the ground, that's doing what you're about to go into, like that's either in Poland or in Dubai as a friend of a friend or somebody else has talked about it. 
you rely on that. And I personally go with word of mouth first and foremost. I double check, even after I've researched or interviewed or something, I have to call somebody. I don't care who it is. I have to call somebody and find out if they have a connection that can verify about this person as a leader or this school as a reputation. I, you know, I can't just go on the internet and do that. So I, the, I guess the longer I've been overseas, the more I've reached out to connect. And that's the good thing about this, this kind of a podcast is that we can give the, the brutal honesty and we could talk about schools, we could talk about leadership and we can talk about our own experiences, but that's something you can't get just from research, right? And that's what I love about this. So it sounds like you're just like me. You have to verify with the word of mouth. Where did you go after Dubai? I mean, you could talk forever, I bet, about being the principal there. It was a whole different story. You're in the desert, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was great. It was a great experience. Yeah. We loved our time there, you know? Um, and yeah, to anybody who, um, you know, look, I mean, especially, you know, that was still not that long after after 9-11. And to think, you know, you're telling some some maybe friends and family back home going to live, you know, you look at the map of where it is and, and, and uh, Ooh, boy. it's a little unsettling, you know? But but look, I mean, we know that the travel, you know, that's one of the things that travel does. It opens your mind and you realize, you know, what you read and what you see is is uh, not always not always reality. Right. We could do a whole episode just on Dubai, of course. And we've talked okay. to other people about Dubai. Right. And it's it's like I always tell people it's the Las Vegas of the Middle East. Right. I think. Mm -hmm. There are certain places that you can relate to. And that's one of the topics I say is Dubai is basically, they made it out of nothing. They got a bunch of oil money. They started making this Las Vegas in the middle of the desert. And now it's a super hub of travel. And there's tons of schools there. Like you said, there's tons of schools there. You had a little bit earlier experience because they were just still growing. Yeah. That was what, 2011 then, right? Something like that. 2012, yeah, 2012. I uh, I was there from 2012 to 2017, so five years there. So yeah, massive changes. You know, uh, I've been back a couple times, and I think it'll continue to just just grow, grow. Uh, certainly up in the air, if nothing else, if not spreading out into the desert. But yeah, pretty amazing place. Watching the World Cup a little bit and seeing Doha, it's not dissimilar, right? It's right. A lot of similarities. I just went to the GRC fair. So they've had two fairs already. And I yep. I think I was in the one. I was in Bangkok. You were at the Bangkok one. Okay. Yep. And I was in I was in the GRC from the from the first year in Dubai. And yeah, I think it's something that along the same lines that best kept secret. That's the GRC is still it was just starting to catch on uh before the pandemic hit. Um, right. But it's free. I mean, what a great idea, you know, a true grassroots collaborative where schools get together. It's it's free for schools. It's free for candidates. Obviously, you have to travel. But other than that, um, to just come together and to, uh, I've been doing a lot of hiring uh, through the GRC. There's some great, great candidates there. I was going to say it's new to me and I went there, but I only signed up a week before because I didn't know anything about it. So, yep. so I think it was Jack would say, hey, are you going to the GRC? And, What's that? And it, <laughs> it's in a week. And we had a three-day weekend. And I am only about 45-minute flight away from Dubai. So for me to get out and go have some bacon and a beer and interview. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't have anyone to talk to because I didn't really do any uh -huh. research or connections beforehand. And if I'm not mistaken, my mistake was or my ignorance was that that job fair really depends a lot on earlier connections so then they meet you face to face once you're at the fair. Am I a little bit, am I off on that or is it? No, I think that's true. I think it has become, you know, so competitive. And when you look at when the GRC decided to give this a go, uh, the American School of Bombay are the ones who, who actually run a lot of the legwork. They have their IT team do the website and it's all, you know, no profit to them. It's to get the earlier Asia um recruits you know in in europe it's the recruiting season and it used to be a lot later right and now the competition right. at so many schools so the grc kind of put that marker down and and started it in dubai in in november i i believe it, you know they, they've had it in november always right so 
And yeah, the the thing is, is you you would now. I think I think part of this year is definitely crazy with with. Of course, because of the post pandemic, right? It, it's the first face to face fairs, you know, and and are they going to be sustainable? And 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 it those are all kinds of things that we could get to. But I definitely agree, and I think a lot of the the recruiters are going to look ahead of time. They're going to do an online interview on Zoom or whatever it might be ahead of time. Do you do the reference checks ahead of time? And you do kind of, Greg, like what we would call the the BO test or the that final kind of, you know, you meet the person having a coffee, you know, or a beer and bacon uh, right. and, and just getting to know somebody face to face is that final stamp of approval that I'm going to offer them a contract. So, yeah, it, it, when I was in Bangkok, it was even, I think, less uh, less people than in Dubai, mostly due to the situation in China. But but right. we had we made some some hires. I'm I'm, uh, I'm recruiting for my previous school, and um, but it was mostly all the legwork ahead of time. Do you know what I like about the GRC is that they have a streamlined. Well, <laughs> I ask you about the BO in just a second. But <laughs> so when I logged in and I was accepted into the GRC, they had a streamlined version where you give your three references, so it's easy for the reference. The reference is basically saying either hire this person or definitely I don't support this person or something like that. It was streamlined so that it was a quick, like, let's have a conversation or not, you know? And yeah. they don't have to bother the other heads because it was put together by heads of school. They know how busy people get, especially during the season. We need to get together and talk or just hire the guy or, yep. you know, I'm not quite sure. So that's a great streamlining effect that they did. And I think it's also in response to some of the other job fairs, which cost so much money as headhunters, like the, the, the ISS and search, they've come down. Some of the fees have come down, but I do know that search is still a pretty hefty price. And a lot of people go with search because it's the big elephant in the room, right? They've been around their standard. They're the standard basically for a lot of people. For me, it's ISS, maybe you and I, but GRC is a great option now. The fees are low. The, there's a streamlined effect to it, right? Yep. It's a true collaborative, which is which is which is exactly what, you know, international educators are about and what we should do. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that the GRC, you know, they don't they don't self-promote. They don't advertise because it's real grassroots. It's hard to self-promote. You know what? You're going to learn how to self-promote as soon as you write your first book. That's All right. when you have to well. you have to promote yourself. And I hate it. These guys make fun of me on the show. Every time I mention my book, they're right. laughing at me. They're like, hey, I found anywhere at www.amazon.com. I'm like, well, come on, you guys. You have It's not anywhere else that anybody's going to stick up for me. And it's just to get the word out. Well, right? you know, I... when you wrote, when you mentioned that I wrote it down, you know, maybe Santa will bring me a stocking stuffer. Oh, I'll send you, a, I'll send you the copy for being a, on our show. I'll send you a copy. Oh. You can read it and let me know what you think of it. Cause you've been to these oh. job fairs, you know how oh. it works, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Well, you were in Dubai for several years and as a principal and where did you go after that? So I, I went to um, Hanoi, Vietnam. So ah. we were there for three years. Uh, my wife is a, is a teacher as well. So uh, yeah, we went to Vietnam. Uh, unbelievable experience. Great place to to live and to visit and can't recommend it enough. Uh, if the Unis never School, been... I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If you've never, never been to Vietnam, um, it's 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 a hike, obviously, but what an un unbelievable culture and, and the, the friendliness of the people and really, really good time. We'll take a moment's break now to remind you how to reach out to us. Of course, you can address any negative comments to Kent, the cat guy. We do love to hear from you. If you're out on Facebook, we don't do that, but our handle on both Instagram and Twitter are at ITPexpats with an S, I-T-P-E-X-P-A-T-S. As a handle, if you want to, you can send us an old email at internationalteacherpodcast at gmail.com, or you can visit us at our new website at www.itpexpat.com, www.itpexpat.com. Well, back to the show. All right. 
So you went, you went several places. I, I feel bad because I thought you're only in Poland, but no, you've got. Oh, well, that's what you would assume, right? Well, you're now you're in this lodge. I mean, your audience can't see you right now, but it's like you're you're in a flannel shirt. You're in the lodge, and I'm sitting in the <laughs> desert, right? But it's like you're in a sauna or a wood cabin or something. It and like that. <laughs> you know, it's and it's the holiday season, it's snowing outside. So you're back in Poland, and what are you doing now? Are you still in so, a school situation? Tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, so I'm in, I'm in an interesting situation. So after Hanoi, I went to Amsterdam, and I was working there at the international I'm school. Jealous. I'm so jealous. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, unbelievable opportunity, right? Um, but the pandemic, uh, Greg, it just ruined it, it, it ruined my joy of, of being in schools. You know, I don't know oh, how yeah. else to put it. It was just, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't about teaching and learning, you know, as much. It was, it was about a lot of other stuff that you couldn't make people happy. And, you know, I get that, right. That was all over the world. Masks this week, no masks the next week. I can't tell you how many Sunday night, you know, uh, phone calls with 25 seventh graders either have it or are close contacts. Should we close seventh grade? Should we close the whole middle school? Yes or no? How are we going to get the word out? People don't check their emails the night before. You know, like I mean, non nonstop, nonstop. And look, I'm not. It's not woe is me. It's everybody went through this in education. You know, teachers went from being whatever teachers, however they were looked. You know, uh, certainly international school teachers get the respect I think in a lot of a lot of countries and schools that they deserve. Uh, but around the world, all of a sudden, teachers became, you know, essential workers, right? And right. parents had a chance to sit down with their kids every day and see what, you know, I'll use the air brackets, teaching and learning looked like. And I use that because we, you know, we were all winging it. I mean, come on, right? Like this was, there was no playbook for for that time. So so I want a gap year to answer your question. I said, um, let's go back to Poland. Our kids are at the age where They've been in international schools. They can speak Polish and understand it, but they've never had to really read and write. It's a great country. We love it. We've had our home here. So I'm, I said, let me take some time and, and think about what I want to do. And I got about a month and a half into that. <laughs> and like, said, I'm not going no. back. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I uh, like you said, and, and this is why I, I, you know, it's I can't wait to read your book because I said, uh, you know, I one of the things I always loved about recruiting and hiring is is the job fairs and sitting there and 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 in the lobby having coffee and and people you knew or friends of friends saying hey you know i have this one offer in thailand and another offer in you know bahrain what do you know about them and what should i do and what about this and what about that and and just being able to sit and talk that through with people and and coach them or ask them questions and make a T-chart, you know, pros and cons if you oh, have yeah. to. I was in an elevator in Iowa, okay? And I don't know if you ever went to the UNI fair, but it's in Waterloo, Iowa. Anyway, you're in the middle of a field and it's a cornfield in the middle of the winter and there's just icy cold wind blaring through. And you're at this hotel that's across the street from the conference center. If you do it the right way, you stay at the hotel, right? So you're sitting in, I'm sitting in the elevator and this must have been 2004, 2007, 2007, I think. Just like you're saying, the conversations are going around and I'm having a conversation in the elevator with somebody in front of me that's asking me about Cambodia because I was, I had flown in from Cambodia and I was looking for a new job. The guy in back of me says, Hey, excuse me. Uh, did you say you're teaching Cambodia? I'm like, yeah. He goes, Hey, do you know Dave Edson? My wife and I taught with him in Pakistan. And I'm like, am I in Iowa right now? Is this, right. this is so weird, right? Oh my God, it's fascinating. You're right, head on with that. Job fairs are about the experience of the whole fair. And I love it and I thrive in that situation because everyone's at a different level. There's a lot of people wandering around that don't know anything. There's a lot of international people. There's a small percentage of international teachers that are returning to the fair to find their next stop. And there's a whole bunch of the admin that are flying in from their prospective countries to get the new teachers. So it's a wild, wild ride. I love it that you're so into this. And I, I knew that we're kindred spirits once I saw you online and 
And I don't remember how I even found your name or heard about you, but maybe it was through Facebook groups. I'm not really sure, but I do yep. know that you've got a you've got a website up and you're helping out with recruiting. So you're not out of the game. It sounds like you're in Poland and you're helping out international teaching in a different way now. What are you doing now with it? You know, my gap year got about six weeks in and I said, I always, I always thought there would be a, a niche market, if that's the right way to put it, giving teachers advice. I've done hundreds and hundreds of interviews and, and CV reference, CV resume reviews, reference checks, the whole, the whole game of, of hiring and, and recruiting and both sides of the table. Yeah. So I, you know, made a website and said, let's see, let me, let me learn something while I'm taking some time off. And I never really made a website before. And I learned, learned how to do that. And I'm still learning about hashtags and LinkedIn. And, and now I'm on a podcast talking about my website. So this has all, all been pretty cool for me to, to figure out and, and wide, ride the wave. But I've gotten some, some surprisingly, you know, for me, at least, I, there's there's quite a quite a, an interest in in people looking for advice for help. I and I was fortunate enough to learn this because I got the feedback. But you know, think about it, Greg. How many times have you done an interview, gotten an interview, and not gotten a job? I mean, that's happens to all of us dozens of times. Many if times, not, yep. Right, but when how you never get a chance for the person to sit down and give you a half hour and tell you. Let me tell you why I didn't hire you. Let me tell you what you said to, in response to this question and why you should never say that. Or that, And that's if you make it to the interview, right? If your resume CV has typos, if it doesn't, if it looks, if it's, you know, whatever it might be, right? That, that 20 second glance of a resume to say, should I give this person an interview or not? All these little things you know, you don't really get that feedback if if it's hard to recruit, just as it's hard to find a job. I mean, the amount of time and effort uh, admin has to have to put in to find the right people, it's it's enormous, right? So I've been enjoying like giving some people some honest, you know, advice to say, hey, you can't send that resume out looking like that. Or um, I did I, one one teacher, it was it was really eye opening for him, I think, uh, we we did an interview, a mock interview, and and we recorded it, and and he right. watched it, right? And he took his notes on each question, and I took my notes. And after he watched himself interviewing, he said, "Yeah, I, I got to change my game up a little bit, you know." So wow. um, it's fun and conversations like this, right? Like where you like look at the schools people have been in, friends of friends, you know. So it it's been keeping me busy on a gap year and led to some fun experiences. This is what the audience needs to listen to is that it's really, uh, you have a website and you're just offering to help. And it's it's exactly what I do with my book. I just wanted to reach out and share what I love so much, this career. It's not a job for me, it's a career. I, I'm a teacher first and foremost. I'm overseas because I love it. I love to travel, I love to teach, I love the kids in different international situations. I love all of the rigmarole. I love, you know, all of these things. You do the same thing. You love this and you want to share. And there's a niche market for us because there's a, not a whole lot of support out there. There's not enough books. There's not mm -hmm. enough agencies. There's not enough support. It's not easy to talk to these people. And there are so many schools out there, right? There's a little international school of, you know, Scott down in South America somewhere. And it's a garage with three students. And the parents have a whole lot of money, but they want to come across as a big school. And next thing you know, you you grab the position, not knowing much about it, because you don't know how it works, possibly, first time ever. And you fly down there, no one meets you at the airport, and you find out it's this little garage school. <laughs> and you don't know any better. And these things happen. I mean, there's so many stories about this. And I'm trying to help people avoid that, not that school, wherever it may be. God bless them. Let's, let's get that school working. But you need to have at least a better fighting chance of finding the right fit. I have to say that all the time. Finding the right fit, because that's what the job fairs are about. You can't just go and see the school, right? You it's can't just right. get up and go to Poland and look at the school. In no, Poland. you're not going to fly in on a weekend. You know, it's um, it's almost become cliche, right? Like, um, 
while you know finding the fit and 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 admittedly sometimes schools admin will say you know why didn't you know why didn't i get a job it's like well it's just not the right fit and that can mean a million things but yeah. when they can hide when behind it or they can be true about it yeah you're right. right yep right and 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 so you know because you're not just talking about career you're not talking about your nine to five so to speak right although no, we know it's not a job it's it's living uh you're going to become you know close with the people you work with you're going to spend time with them it's a community and and the city or the place where you where you live all of those things are are just as important as as you know kids are kids more or less right i mean I think, I mean, would you agree with that? Like, you know, of course there's cultural differences, but when you work and travel into d- different countries, you work in international schools, kids are kids. If you can teach, you can teach. But there's all those other things, the dynamics of a school, the politics, the 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 culture that that school has, you know, good, the bad, and the ugly. No one's, no school's perfect. So, so fit is a real thing. I love it that you mentioned that because I had that question. Um, I was on another podcast and they said, what about the kids? Are they different in overseas schools? And I said, well, you know what? Kids are kids. You're going to have a lot of differences. But I said, you still have the little boy or the little girl or the high school student or the middle school student. They go through life's changes and they come into your classroom and they're still going to have the same problems, just different flavors but they're going to have all the problems that middle school or elementary or high school kids have. And that's why being a teacher is so important to have training and to be certified. And, and you have to have all that stuff before you go overseas, because first and foremost, it is a job. Like you said, it's a job, but we have so many other things that you have to fit into that school. You have relationships and the school is what's protecting you from the things that you don't know. So you can do your job and do it well, and you slowly get to know the culture around you through the school itself. It's sort of like your blanket, right? Am I right yeah. about that? Yeah. I agree. I think, you know, uh, your first year at any any school uh, in, in any new country and city, right? It's it's that that transition is is real. Culture shock, call it what you will. You know, there's the the, the graph of the, the initial honeymoon stage where everything's amazing and then a couple months in holy crap why what did i what did i do and then <laughs> you know you come out of that and you start to get your groove on and and so anybody in their first year you know you got to just you got to just suck it up and and encourage them to keep at it and you know kids are kids at least you have that part of the job that you can dig into that that brought you there and and usually it works out okay sometimes and sometimes it's not a fit you know sometimes sometimes the school the the city the country the culture whatever it is sometimes sometimes that's not a fit and and that's okay too right we're trying to avoid that though we want to make sure that you make a good choice at least you know when you're going to go overseas you're going to go somewhere you could last a year a two year contract really the well, shortest yeah. i've ever seen was 3 days 3 oh, days is the shortest <laughs> i've ever seen before someone ran it was crazy, yeah. I know. I have one fun question for you, and that is, do you have any police stories for us or customs stories? That I could that I could talk about in uh, you could uh, share. publicly? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the comment that everybody gives us. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could edit this out. No, just kidding. Um, so, um, boy, you know, you know, I, I because I have two passports, there's there's sometimes, you know, some some interesting stuff that's asked with that. Do you travel on your English one or on your Polish one? Uh Irish. It, um it depends. I'm sorry, Irish. That's okay. That's okay. Um it, it really depends where I am and where I'm going, right? And so I always travel with both though, because I've learned uh if they if they look at them, you get the wrong person on the wrong day, they're gonna ask questions. I think I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but we left Vietnam in March of of 2020. So right when the pandemic was really, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, you know, setting in and and really, uh, really, it was it was it was the real deal. And there was very few flights. There was there was only like another three days of flights uh, getting out of the country and. And we had the new job in, in Amsterdam and, and everything was on lockdown. And it was all distance learning already. 
somehow we we said you know we're gonna and and the, we were teachers and everybody was given a chance like if you an option if you want to leave okay you know here's what that's going to mean and we understand and because who knows how long this will go on and and it's not a it's not a democracy in vietnam if the government says things are locked down that's that's how it is right so we had about three days to 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 get all of our stuff but most importantly our two cats which were which were adopted off the street and and you know i had young kids and it was very clear that if we don't get the cats out that we're not leaving right and and don't get me wrong it wasn't like I still have, have mixed feelings on on leaving and and all the rest of it but it was what we what we we knew what was best for our family anyway the experience of getting out of vietnam with everything closing we had to fly to frankfurt but with the cats the cats was like that wild piece right because they have to have chips in them and all of these blood tests and almost their own passports and all the rest of it and unbelievably difficult and challenging not sure if they would even meet us in frankfurt um and we get off the plane at frankfurt and um had some problems with my with my uh american passport versus right. irish one and and oh man where are the cats how are we going to find them oh my god we had to rent a car frankfurt airport was closing the next day uh had to rent a van with all of our belongings and drive to the polish border because the eu borders were closed um and all of a sudden we look down and kind of like on a bench in 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 the room there's two cats sitting there no one's You're watching kidding. them just you know, oh my God. grab the cat, anybody could have <laughs> taken them you know it went from like you know i don't know mission impossible to just yeah you know, hey, whatever so that was pretty crazy after all that worry after all that worry and then there's just two cats just sitting right there yeah, You're like, exactly. oh my God, they're there. grab them we're not asking we're just gonna go run for the border <laughs> what yeah, a story literally. no that's exactly what we're looking for we're looking for the the, you know, people they get worried when we say police stories. Like, tell us about when you were locked up in Turkish prison. No, we're not to get. We're not getting at that. We're just like, you know, I, I smuggled bacon into Kuwait once. You know, that was a, a story about you know traveling. And there's police stories like I had to uh, bribe police in Venezuela or something for some reason, right? And it's part of living oh, yeah. overseas. So those are the stories we love and. The cat story. I think you're the third or fourth cat story we've had on the show. And Ken's going to be like, damn, I wish I had been on that show with you. He's a cat <laughs> man, of course. So your two cats made it to Poland with you? Yeah, our two cats, Boon and Shah. Boon Shah is the national dish in Vietnam, right? So I like to joke that they were saved from a soup pot, but that's maybe not politically correct. But uh, oh. uh yeah, we adopted two cats, and um, yeah, so they're 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 back in Poland with us now, and and that was good. But yeah, I, I like I said, my wife is Polish. There's actually a pretty big Polish community in Dubai, so we've had some suitcases full of kielbasa uh, in the airport. Nice, is going nice. on too. <laughs> yeah, you got, and sometimes they let stuff like that in. Sometimes they don't. I know you get stopped at the border. People are trying to bring all kinds of meats and foods in, and whether it's vacuum packed or not, and, yep, yep. right? So many <laughs> stories. Well, listen, I, I want to mind our time here. Are, how about some advice for teachers and listeners that are thinking about going in, into overseas like you and I have been doing? Uh, what are some last words of advice or any kind of message you want to give? First timers, you mean? Like people who are, who are thinking of sure, it? Sure, sure. Well, you know, keep an open mind. There's so many schools out there and places that you would never imagine, picture yourself enjoying and loving. And unless you go into it with an open mind and see what options are out there and, and be flexible, it's hard. You know, I have some clients who I only want to work in this region or this country. And that's really, really difficult and, and unlikely. There is so such a world of of opportunity out there. Um, I think that's that's one of the most important things you can do. I, the other thing is make sure you have good references. I mean, you know, child safeguarding, you know, has become a, a legitimate, real thing that we that schools have to take seriously, which is a good thing for everybody. Uh, but that means we also talk to references a lot more, and so keep it in mind when you're working and there's always when at work whether you're in the in the states or in north america or anywhere you work it's there's always challenges and you could always get disagreements but 
but you you are going to need some people to vouch for you right because like we said if when when we want word of mouth when we're going to go to a school i want word of mouth when i'm going to hire somebody right and so um you know how do they react to setback and and all the rest of it you could be a great interviewer but but references are important too that's something that a lot of people maybe don't always always keep in mind well, that is some great advice, but it really makes me just want to stay on for another episode with you and talk specifically about recruiting. But I, I would like to invite you to come back on our show and specifically do a recruiting um, mm. kind of discussion. All right. And we've had yeah. several, and I think it's it's really going to be helpful to our listening group, our audience, to hear more about how to really recruit internationally because it's a different ball game than it is in the states and north america canada uh, other countries so let's think about that and i appreciate your coming on to this show it's been a real joy to talk with you and our audience is going to get a lot of but they've learned a lot from you i think i have and i've been in this for a long time hey come on greg thanks though thanks and let's uh, and so i'm getting i'm trying to you know i, I read my linkedin how to you know get your your business so it's jobhunthelp.org. And we'll put that down in the bottom of our notes. Of course, we're going to link that for you. I was waiting for you to plug that, you know, I was you waiting know, for hey, you to plug I got, it. I, I had it on my notes here. So I, 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 that's, that's, uh, that's good. So, Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah. I'd love to talk more. I think, uh, there's, there's a lot out. There's a lot to, to think about a lot to learn. I guess the last thing I'll leave with is teaching. You could be a fantastic teacher in a classroom, right? And have those relationships with kids and all the rest of it. But unlike a lot of things, you're going to get a job based on a piece of paper or or an e-piece of an e-paper, right? Your, your resume and an interview, sometimes online, right? Actually has nothing to do with your teaching ability. And that's pretty odd, right? Like we're hiring uh, people and, and we have to go on things that actually, I, I wish I could just see see you teach, right? But we right. don't have that luxury 90% of the time. So it's a different, it's its own little, little um, thing. So be who you are and show in your interview, show who you are outside of just teaching. They The recruiters really want to know that, right? I agree, it's, it's yeah. Because they're not just getting a, another teacher from, wherever they're not just getting another teacher for the job they're getting a person that's going to fit into their community and fit into that culture and listen scott got schaffner out of poland i love talking with you and we are going to have to say goodbye for now and we'll see you on our next on another episode hopefully in the future how about that scott that sounds good thanks so much for the time i appreciate the the, the plug and it was really interesting talking to you